We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Veris Age Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we are doing Free Writer Friday for the month of June. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Good, Ron. Pretty good. Good stuff. Any travel this week? Uh, actually, no. I was off this. Well, let's 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 let's. I'll fess up here, right? So we're we're recording this bonus episode the week before that this is officially being released. So those of you who are on the Patreon site will will actually get it a bit early. So yes, I did have travel this week. I don't have any travel next week. I was in Nashville. I did I did your you know your normal commute to Nashville, right? From Dallas. Right. So flew flew into Nashville. I talked to the CPAs Net Group. And it's a small, small group, smaller group of, of CPAs who have been getting together for 26 years. I've spoken to that group. Yeah, yeah. A couple times. Sarah, Sarah Dobek is the, is the head of it. Okay. And, yep, I dropped some, dropped some Firm of the Future on them, some subscription pricing, uh, blew away the timesheet. They all kind of left muttering. And afterwards, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you know, I haven't gotten any feedback yet. But they, a lot of people there thought it was good. I actually did see one woman in the airport who said that she really enjoyed it and, ha- and has done a lot of of uh, three choice pricing, right? Mm-hmm. And and that has made a, a big difference. And that she she is really looking to make the jump to to subscription. So uh, pr- pretty good. I, you know, it was a good it was a good day that they were mostly receptive to the message but we'll we'll see like you said this the the message of subscription pricing seems to be a a better win or better understood and accepted than just straight value pricing back in the day and i'm not quite sure why that is but i've got some theories yeah I, i'm not sure either i you know it, it's funny now you're starting to see um stories about quote unquote subscription fatigue that people are just, you know, are starting to look at their credit card bills going, really, do I spend this much on all this different crap? You know, these apps and this new service, especially with new services, paper, yeah. uh, newspapers, magazines, you know, Apple, of course. Um, so, I, I, you know, that, that, that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I think that that is one one thing that's certainly out there because people did just willy nilly subscribe for stuff and then they just let it renew, especially if they have introductory pricing, right, or promotional prices up yep. front for maybe a dollar a month, and then all of a sudden it goes up to five dollars a month after the subscription thing is over. Right. You know, and that those are those are techniques, and we've talked a little bit about some of those in the past, but you know, I, I, and I'm, I tend to shy away from those, especially for professionals. I don't think that that's a good idea. But I'm very careful about it. I don't know about you, Ron. I, I actually have a, a separate credit card that is mm-hmm. exclusively for subscription stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's yep. the only thing that I put on it. And what's nice about that is I see kind of a monthly total, right, of, right. This, of what I'm paying for subscriptions. And, and yes, it, it varies from month to month because some of the things that I, I subscribe to, I did take the, you know, pay upfront for a year price. And that only happens renews once a year, but for the most part, it's it's a good it's a good way to manage it. And then you know when that credit card changes, when the the expiration date is up, that's that I just get only in the one place because many of them are through iTunes. So sure, sure, yeah. No, the, the worry for me Ed, is I and I don't do that. I mean, um, I've got some of my subscribe. Well, most of it's like the TSOE site and stuff, but. Um, and that comes on two different credit cards. But my big worry is wine clubs. That's something that I could easily go way over. I limit myself and have for the last like 10 years to one wine club. And that's, I figure, uh, okay. hey, if I, if I want anything that bad, 
I can drive to the darn winery and get it myself, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I, I know people who are like subscribe, subscribe to like 12 different wine clubs and that's just, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Cause they can be quarterly shipments and you know, some of them aren't cheap. I bet. I bet. So can I ask what the one is? Is it Farniente? It is not. It's Wilson. It is not. Ah. It's Wilson oh yeah. Wilson. Yeah. Creek. And I really like it. It's a boutique winery, very limited production, make great Zins. Um, but I have been talking about for the last couple of years to switch to, to Pine Ridge. But you've just been talking about it. You haven't I actually done it. About it. Yeah, I should do it. I should do it because I do like Pine Ridge better. But I, I actually like them both. They're both right. really good wines. Well, there you go. Maybe you, maybe you could add the second one, Ron, and just you know limit yourself to two. But do you think it, the, like the floodgates will be open at that point? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've tried, tried to show great restraint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, All right, Ed. Well, I got one here. Since I opened, I'll start with this. You know, you always quote Yogi Berra. Baseball is 90% mental, and the other half is physical, right? Mm -hmm. Great line. Okay, uh, Greg LaFollette, don't don't turn us off. This isn't about baseball. Um, Bill Campbell um, was a coach in Silicon Valley. He coached people from Google and Facebook and eBay and all of that. And, you know, he he used to talk about, you know, workers need to get regular feedback from their managers – annual performance review is of little use and it was just kind of an interesting interesting guy he uh he became a close friend of steve jobs sat on the apple board as well he did all this for free um <laughs> which is really interesting i guess he was a um he was a, a basketball coach before that this guy but um they called him the trillion dollar coach and there's a there's a book on him but what caught my eye in this article ed was another Yogi Berra quote that I've never heard before. And I'm curious to see if you've heard this line. He said, I'm not going to buy my kids an encyclopedia. Let them walk to school like I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard it's It's a, it's a little known line. Cause it's not, not, not <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Yeah, not not quite as inverted and clever as some of the other, you know, pair off in threes. Uh, right, right. But still per- not bad, not bad. No, no, pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I got a pricing one here. Okay, good. So this would be fun. This is from, let's see, a NPR. And this is about... Uh, Tylenol for infants and children is the same. Why does it cost three times more? Ah, okay. Okay. So this is interesting. And I did actually know this because I am, I had the the, the kids and we're, we're now progressing very quickly into all adult medication. I think my daughter is still the lone holdout on some of the children's stuff, Mm -hmm. but the deal is, is that there's, it's two different bottles, the infant Tylenol and the children's Tylenol. And at one time, there were different versions. The infant Tylenol was, was stronger, right? Mm. And the, 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 the children's one was, was less strong because it was easier to give babies less liquid, right? And just more intense uh, dose of the medication, right? Since they're just going to kind of like suck it down anyway, right? Right, right. So that was the thinking, but the problem is, is that led to some overdosing, right? Uh Because it was three times more concentrated, says uh, Imna Hernandez, University of Pittsburgh Pharmacy, right? And so the price per milliliter was also five times higher. And there were some babies that, that got sick and even even died from the, the misuse of Mm. that because the labeling was off, right? So clearly Johnson and Johnson has to has to shift away, right? Because it's really bad to kill customers. This is no, or especially, you know, your customers' children, even, yes, even, exactly. even worse than that. Right? <laughs> um, so they, they, they shifted over and the, but the price is still different, right? But the bottles are, are different sizes, right? There's one ounce of medicine in the infant and then there's four ounces in the children and they're both Five ninety nine, and they're both the same strength, mm-hmm. right? So there's not any there's not any ad- adjustment for that. So the question is, why is this, right? And there was a a, a 
uh, Kim uh, Magtagino from Johnson & Johnson issued a statement and said that it's because there's it includes a dosing syringe instead of a cup. Right. And then there, there's a, the bottle is thicker and more expensive to, to manufacture uh, than a bottle of children's Tylenol. Mm. Right. And then Hernandez, the, the, uh, the person who is from the university of, of Pittsburgh says she doesn't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you that, that she's partially right. That said, I love the syringe. There's the, the way that you give mm-hmm. the dosing to the, to the, the, the baby is you actually st- stick this little, it's a, th- a very thick syringe, right? It's not like a thin needle. It's a plastic right. syringe and you stick it in the top and you turn the bottle upside down and you, and you pull the syringe back to fill the syringe up that you stick in the kid's mouth and no. squirt it in. Right, right. Right. And boy, I got to tell you, that was far more convenient, even for older kids. I would rather give the dose like, because, you know, when you get a, get to a children's size, it's they, instead of five milliliters, it's like 15, but I would rather pull it from the infant's size three times because it was so much easier than pouring it in a little cup and it's right. sticky and I hate sticky. <laughs> right. right. And trying to, you're trying to get them to drink it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, it, so I was like, no, this is much better. So I, I think this is a clear example of where they just don't get that. Yeah. Parents, some parents are willing to pay more for this. Sure. Sure. Right. And I would go out of my way sometimes to get the infant's Tylenol instead of the children's Tylenol, knowing it's still the same dose. It didn't matter. But because I like the delivery mechanism that much better. So it was well worth it for me. <laughs> right. Well, you know, when you when you studied this stuff as much as we have, you start to you know that like differences in the, the thickness of the bottle and even the syringe are really, really marginal. And don't anywhere near explain the price difference. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's clearly in my case, and in no, nowhere in this article is it mentioned that hey, maybe this is just consumer preference. Right. 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 Can't can't that just can't be? Now that's fascinating. Yep. So there you go. Cool. All right. How are we doing on uh, time? We got about one minute left, Ron. So you got a quick one? Uh, I do not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do not, unfortunately. So why don't we just go ahead and take the break? All right. Well, sounds good. You want to get a hold of Ron or myself, you can send an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website, of course, is the soul of enterprise where you can listen to show notes or see show notes, I'm sorry, as well as previews to upcoming shows. Our calendar page, which is quite active right now, if you want to see where Ron or myself are going to appear in the next couple of months, that page is out there in the calendar. And we do list the show titles to many of the shows that we're going to do in advance. So if it's something that you're interested in, I want to go check out that calendar and see. Also, as always, we'd really love for you to subscribe to The Soul of Enterprise on your podcast listening platform of choice. And iTunes reviews, as we said before, are like gold. So please go out and review the show. This this helps other people find the show, the more reviews and, and ratings that we get. So we really appreciate that. Right, But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of June. And Ed, we use a Ronald Reagan quote from a speech he delivered at Moscow State University. Let me quote from his State of the Union address from 1984. He said, it's true our governments have had serious differences. He's talking to the Soviet Union. But our sons and daughters have never fought each other in war. And then Richard Nixon made the same statement in 1972 in a televised speech from the Kremlin. He said, our two countries have much in common, most important of all, We have never fought each other in a war, yet that's not true. And I had a college history professor that was all over this, all over this. They were known as the polar bears. And in Troy, Michigan, in the 200-acre Whitechapel Memorial Park Cemetery, alongside the graves of 55 other American soldiers who died fighting communists in the frozen wilds of northern Russia, in 1918 and 1919. They were known as the polar bears. Mm. They were the first and only Americans to fight a shooting war against Russian communists. And, you know, my college professor was really a big leftist. Um, he just said, Do you, pro- you people probably don't know that we invaded Russia. <laughs> and this is this is what he was talking about. It was President Woodrow Wilson's decision to dispatch the troops uh, in the wake of Russia's peace treaty with Germany. The basic idea was to support an allied effort to maintain a, fr- a front in the east um, and, and to recruit and train Russian locals to fight against the new communist government led by Lenin in Moscow. Um, so those guys had to, you know, bear out a winner, which is just brutal. Um, darkness lasted for 20 hours. 23 of these polar bears received the Distinguished Service Cross. Some 235 polar bears lost their lives on the expedition. Um, and on February 16, 1919, Wilson ordered the Americans out of Russia. So, Interesting. Did not know that. And how many were dispatched, Ron? What was in total? Uh, I think it was 5,000. 5,000. So it wasn't a declared war. No, it, it, I mean, they, they were dispatched, but um, it, it, yeah, it, it, he just kind of did it. <laughs> so really yeah, interesting. That sounds about right. You know, those progressives just getting around the constitution. Yeah. I, you know, I, I knew about this. I didn't, I didn't remember they were called the polar bears, but I didn't know about this uh, memorial for them in Troy, Michigan. Um, there's, they have a big snarling polar bear statue i guess okay. in the cemetery but uh just thought that was kind of interesting yeah no that is interesting i don't know thanks for sharing this i'll have to look that up it sounds like somebody just should make a movie about that uh, yeah that would be that would be very because probably none of those guys are alive i'm sure it's 100 years ago they, oh yeah no i would i would think yeah. that that would not be the case so yeah yeah interesting stuff so i got one this is from a uh well, let's call it a libertarian connection here. It's international high life, and it, it is definitely a, um, uh, whatchamacallit, a it is, it's site dedicated to marijuana legalization. Okay. Okay. And this is back in February 1st of 2019 that this happened, but it just, just crossed my desk today. But I thought this was, it's funny because nobody was killed. But this is a, a huge a huge mistake led to police officers arresting each other. Ready? Undercover police went to Detroit, posed as drug dealers. However, thanks to a mess up, another police group thought they were real drug dealers, so they tried to raid the house and what turned out to be one of the most aberrant thing, things that has ever happened to the, the po- Detroit Police Department. And there's actually a video of the, the Detroit police chief saying that this is like the Keystone Cops, <laughs> right? 
So the incident occurred of officers from the 12th precinct went undercover and, and then with the, 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 the undercover police that were trying to do the buy were from the 11th precinct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there was all kind. there was a lot of pushing and shoving, you know, with each, each, each selling the other to stand down police. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, fortunately no one was killed because you can imagine that that's, that's the kind of situation that could, could clearly escalate out completely out of control. Oh, for sure. Wow. But anyway, another, another arrow in my opinion, fired across the quiver of let's just, just legalize marijuana. Just oh, be I done know. with it. And let's, let's just, just be done with it. And let's change the laws for the federal and state. And just get rid of that. That's just ridiculous too. Yeah, and it's just it's it's causing way more problems, and as as police, I think, become more desperate for this kind of thing as other legalization, I think we might see more of this kind of thing, which is not good. Right. And but right, I I really do think this is you know not conspiracy theory tinfoil hat stuff, but I think the biggest holdup is the fact that so much of the funding for a lot of police forces and the rationale for them having you know militarized equipment. Right. In some cases, tanks, surplus tanks and battle gear and every every local force has a SWAT team. Remember what it used to be like only L.A. and New York and Chicago had SWAT teams. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like my town, my, my city of Allen has a SWAT team. I'm like, what the heck are we doing here? <laughs> I know you got to look at the incentives of that, man. That's that's for sure. That, that whole confiscation thing. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. just. Yeah, it's kind of perverse. Yeah. Once once again, when you muck with the price system, which is, to me, everything what it co- comes down to, right? When something that can be made for three cents is worth $30 across the line, across some imaginary line, guess what's going to happen? A lot of the stuff is going to move across the line. Absolutely. Well, Ed, speaking of mucking with the price system, let's talk about the National Health Service in the U.K., Oh, boy. That has long waiting lines and rationing, obviously. They lost 441 general practitioners last year and had 11,576 unfilled vacancies for doctors as of last June. Unbelievable. This is out of fee. In the last six years, fee reports that 585 surgical practices have closed down affecting 1.9 million patients last year alone 138 surgery facilities closed their doors up from 18 in 2013 and one of the reasons is um (laughs) these doctors are taking early retirement to avoid hefty pension taxes there's some quirk in the law and i can't say i understand um british pension tax law it's apparently it's a just a byzantine late you know labyrinth of of complexity um but (laughs) these guys could face an unbelievable tax rate if um if they continue to work because it's based on how much they get paid so they're just retiring early and the department of health conceded that 3500 consultants and gps had retired early due specifically to this pension change in the tax law. Um, it's just crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's that. that I, I did see that story, but, you know, I made a connection with that. Did you see there was another story, completely unrelated incident, so it seems, that there was a, a lesbian couple that was attacked on the tube, on the, the train tube. Hmm. Did you see that one? I did not see that one. Okay, so there was, you know, there was a, the, the, uh, the couple traveling together and there was some group of thug kids who, who beat him up pretty badly. There was, you know, blood and that, that, that at least that was the, on the, the photos of these, these poor women who were doing no, nothing there, but just, you know, being, being on the train. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but what was interesting and it, the, the tie in is that one of them is a, is a doctor. Right. But she's a, She's she's a flight attendant for Ryanair instead of practicing medicine. <laughs> wow! Right now, part of it is that I believe she got her medical degree, and I should have looked this up. I it, 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 in Indonesia maybe, and there's there's not reciprocity with Indonesia. Sure. 
apparently, or wherever she's from. I think it's Indonesia. I'm not maybe Malaysia. They're not a hundred percent sure, but you would think though that there would be some pretty good incentive for her to you know get that take the take the exam or do whatever she's got to do. Right. Right. But clearly not because I'm sure that there is some kind of hurdle that she's got to run through and, and obviously the, 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 uh, the test that she's got to take, et cetera. And I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, there's probably study time and all that. I, I think she's probably competent to do so. I can't believe that medicine is that radically different from one country to the other, but you know, maybe, maybe it is. Right. But point, point being is that with that, with a shortage, you would think that they would, figure out a way to, to make that a little more, more incentive for them to, to get more doctors instead of having somebody go be a flight attendant for Ryanair. I wonder if there's a residency requirement, Ed. A lot of times that's a big stickler. You know, they have to be in the country so many years before they can get licensed. Oh, I see. When you said residency, I was thinking like residency that, well, I said, so why wouldn't she go be a resident? And <laughs> right, right. I, I think, I, in fact, I think that's what the AMA did in the thirties when we had a bunch of Jewish doctors come in, they wanted to keep them out and they instituted a residency requirement. I think they instituted a English language speaking requirement. Wow. Um, and that, yeah. And that's how we, that's how we blocked it. Uh, in fact, Milton Friedman wrote about this. Wow. Yeah, pretty. And, you know, uh, a government insider on this story told The Guardian, there's no way any government, not just this one, is going to change the tax system to benefit people who are in the top 1% of earners, you know, meaning the doctors. <laughs> and Fee writes, not even if members of that 1% keep the other 99% alive. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> oh, man. Just well, crazy. you know. Go ahead. It's crazy. I was just going to say this, this pension, these pension laws are just unbelievable. You know, Great Britain has that two tiered pension system, you know, where they kind of half privatized their pension system. Mm-hmm. So there's a government and then there's a private and they have caps and it's based on your pay and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just, oh my God, it's complex. Yeah, absolutely insane. All right. Well, we're privileged. up against... Yeah, we're up against our next break, Ron. I want to remind you, you can get a hold of Ron or me. The email address is asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, do go out and connect with us on Twitter, also at asktsoe. And please do tweet to that address, either at TSOE or hashtag asktsoe, and we will respond to any questions that you might have. We'd love to read them on the air. But right now, a word from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Soul of Enterprise, and we are free riding on Friday. And Ron, we were talking about the the physicians in England, and I jumped in and talked about the lack of reciprocity that 
as, as seemed to be occurring from, uh, again, Malaysia or Indonesia and this doctor. Well, I was at the AICPA Engage conference, and I was talking to a woman there who has her CPA, I believe, in Colorado, and she is the spouse of someone who's in the Air Force and now lives on the island of Hawaii uh, and with, with, her, with her military spouse. Right, right. I heard this. I heard that gal on a podcast, by the way, on Blake. Oh, Hall's yeah. Podcast. Yeah. yeah. I think he interviewed yeah. her. Yep. Good. Yep. Good stuff. So the, what was what, what was interesting is that uh, she uh, does not get reciprocity in Hawaii. I guess Hawaii is the only state of the 50 states that does not offer reciprocity for CPAs. Yeah. You, you know, you told me that. And I thought for the longest time, the holdout was Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been, AICPA has been working on this. Tom Hood worked on it quite a bit. The whole mobility issue, reciprocity issue, you know, turn the CPA license into a driver's license where, you know, you could drive in any state with your California license as long as you abided by the state laws. I did not realize Hawaii was a holdout. I'm, I, I'm sure that's going to be rectified at some point, but. You would, you would think, but you never know. I mean, yeah. Hawaii, Hawaii is a little bit different. For sure. Really, really is different when it, when it comes to that. And I think there's a lot of protectionism about protecting native Hawaiians and they but, you know, don't want a whole bunch of accountants moving there, I guess. Yeah. I, but you know, California has got that mentality. New York's got that mentality, even Texas to some extent, the mm-hmm. professional associations have, has that mentality of really guarding their, you know, that protecting the public thing, taking that really serious, but they've, you know, they've seen the, uh, the wisdom of this mobility issue, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, you know, there's a whole mobility, uh, section of the AICPA website. If you're a practicing CPA, man, you got to make sure if you have clients, customers in other States, you got to make sure you're complying with those States laws, because even though you may not have even though you may have the right to practice there or serve customers in that state, you may still have to do other things like file a form or, you know, pay something or whatever. You just have to make sure you're in compliance. Right. That's where your customers are. So, yeah. Well, and now, you know, now with, with uh, Wayfair, you never know. This might have, you got sales tax too. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But that, that's a bummer because now you can't have customers in Hawaii. <laughs> well, does that really mean you can't even have customers there? Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's pretty pretty. Yeah, that because that's practicing in that state. Mm-hmm. Whether you're doing a tax return and a test service, any type of you know anything that you would charge for, yeah, it'd be really difficult. Now that doesn't mean that they don't have some mechanism where you could practice, you might have to take an ethics course, you may have to pay, you might have to, you know, take some other type of test to, to, to get, to get licensed there. I'm sure it's not, you know, too difficult. Right. But there would be some hurdles, I'm sure. Interesting. Interesting. So anyway, I also at uh, AICP Engage had the, the, the opportunity and pleasure to, to see Simon Sinek from Start With Why fame. Right. Talk talk to the group, and he was he was interviewed in interview format by uh, Barry Melanson, who also who's also been a guest on the Soul of Enterprise here. And I just took some notes, and I just figured I would share them with with you and with with the audience about this. Some of the stuff is pretty good. Some of it very much in align, alignment with what you and I have been talking about for quite some time. Uh, one of the first thing he talked about was the fact that we overvalue skills and undervalue compassion. He actually said empathy, but see our previous shows on. <laughs> why Ed would change. Did you stand <laughs> up and say, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, excuse me, Simon. Um, the words compassion. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I did that's not. a microaggression in your world, yeah. man. That's a trigger. I, know it is. <laughs> I restrained myself. I restrained myself. <laughs> but the other thing that he mentioned was he said that the only person that should be fired in an organization are those who are uncoachable. Hmm. And I thought that that was really interesting. He's like, yeah, you can have high performance people, you can have low performance people, you can you can have even high trust and low trust people. Uh, and in fact, that's the point he was making. And somebody asked, well, should you fire all the low t- trust people? And he said, well, n- not always, because even a high performer, low trust, if 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 they're coachable, if they're willing to make adjustments to to how they behave, 
it, it's worth keeping them on. It's just the people who are uncoachable that you got to get rid of. Mm. That's so. an interesting point. I think the AARs go a long way to do some of it. Not certainly, probably not all of it, but some of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't mention performance reviews per se that I recall, but thought it was interesting. Then, then uh, during one answer to some question, he said, making money is not necessarily an indication of organizational health. Right. To which I believe Barry Melanson, I don't know if this was tongue in cheek. It sounded fairly serious to me said, well, that sounds a little harsh. Harsh. <laughs> hey, Pope John Paul said the exact same thing. <laughs> you know, the financial accounts could look good, but the organization could still be, you know, morally weak or somebody I forget yeah. how he phrased it, but yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah, no, I think so. I think so too. And, and so this, the next couple of things here, I thought this was, uh, was pretty interesting. I, he, he said, it, and I, we've talked a ton about this in, in, in many shows, but uh, if you try to protect your own business model, you are assigning your own death warrant. <laughs> I just like that turn of phrase. Yep. I thought that was extraordinarily well, well played. Uh, his, his other point was that he doesn't like using the word failure or even learning failure. He thinks we failure is just too harsh a word for him. So it's sort of like, I guess, guess empathy for me, right? He doesn't right. like hearing, hearing the word failure. So he, he, he was substitutes in, he says falling or falling down. And his analogy was, well, when your, your kids are learning to walk and they fall down, you don't consider it a failure. Right. 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 It's you're, you're falling and, and that's, that's part of it. You got to get back up again and try it again. And I do think there is something to his point there. I don't know if I like the word falling per se, but I do think that the, the notion of failure, failure is a pretty harsh word. I will definitely give it the, give him that. It is. And there's an enormous amount of fear associated with it and stigma. Nobody yes. will admit it. So what's that? What's that old line? You know, failure's an orphan, but. You know, everybody yes. wants to yeah, be has a thousand fathers or whatever. Right, right. Yep. Yep. And then the, one of the last points he made, and, you know, you, we're going to be in, in alignment with this. Innovation is not efficient. He, <laughs> says, he says, I love it when I go and talk to CFOs and I ask them what their top, you know, top two things are. And they, when they come back with innovation and efficiency, he says, yeah. And I think, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That is so true. Innovation is not efficient. Boy, would yeah. uh, Dr. Goddard agreed. agreed yeah, no, absolutely. But, but I did, I, I did think that that was, was, was pretty good on him to pick, to pick up on that, especially the contrasting innovation and efficiency. So, well, well played Simon Sinek. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, Ed, we got an email from our Verisage colleague, Paul Dunn. And, of course, he was in Chicago with us when we did our subscription uh, model course, two-day course. And he sent me this thing. It's actually for um, a conference where the co-founder and CEO, Jennifer Hyman, is speaking. She is the CEO of Rent the Runway which has reimagined women's wardrobes as a cloud-based membership. And I went to their website, the renting revolution is here, starting at $30 per month rental. You can get, you can rent pieces for four or eight days, book for tonight or months from now, free returns. Um, there's three tiers, uh, $159 a month. You can access a constantly rotating wardrobe unlimited pieces on rotation swap anytime no return dates free shipping and insurance is all close. so it's just a rotating wardrobe wow didn't somebody on uh, in that workshop talk about renting clothing wasn't one of that wasn't or maybe it was shoes shoes I, that I, was the yeah. what, that was one of the things we gave as an, the exercise is what what would make you subscribe to shoes shoes and they were, right they were very passionate about it that this could totally work and, you know, this is kind of, these are kind of upscale. I mean, you know, renting the runway, you can imagine the, the clothes are kind of uh, upper scale. But then I ran across this really interesting thing in The Economist. Urban Outfitters has joined the fashion for renting clothes 
by launching a service for female customers who will be able to rent up to six items a month. Um, you know, apparently this isn't that new at the high end of the market, but Urban Outfitters is not the high end of the market. Right. And, um, you know, cheap end retailers like Urban Outfit, their, their big problem is wardrobing. This, you know, customers returning clothes after wearing them for like a special occasion, right? Um, they estimate the online market for running clothes was worth a billion dollars in 2017, and it's forecasted to double by 2023. Oh, I would, I, I would disagree with that. I would say it's going to double sooner. It could. <laughs> I, yeah. was, I, it I could. think that it's going to double sooner. That's that. That's some good stuff right there. You know that you know it's this is very similar to uh, Munger's example in Tomorrow 3.0 with the uh, with the drill. I agreed. It's just with clothing. You know that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah you no, don't I, own the clothes on your back anymore. <laughs> you can't give people the shirt off your back because it's <laughs> you subscribe to it. <laughs> We're gonna have to redo that from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> regenerate. <laughs> anyway just thought that was really cool yep no it is it is so well wow i can't believe it we're up against it again uh folks I'd like to remind you we will post full show notes at the soul of enterprise.com you can check out you can contact ed or myself send us an email to ask tsoe at barisage.com many of you uh email us we love to get those and uh you know some of you have even uh suggested topics i think ed we had a show where we talked about that um and we've got some suggestions for future shows so we're, we're taking those under consideration but now we want to hear from our sponsor sage follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of June. And Ed, in the uh, National Review issue of May 20th, they did a forum called In Defense of Markets. And uh, various contributors, Jonah Goldberg and Deirdre McClowski, uh, weighed in. And part of it was inspired by, I don't know if you remember, Tucker Carlson did this rant on his show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, where, yeah. And, and, and just he said, you know, market capitalism, here's, here's what part of that rant said. Market capitalism is a tool, like a staple gun or a toaster. You'd have to be a fool to worship it. Our system was created by human beings for the benefit of human beings. We do not exist to serve markets, just the opposite. Any economic system that weakens and destroys families is not worth having. A system like that is the enemy of a healthy society. And that was from January 2nd. Um, and Jonah Goldberg starts off this, this series by saying, is liberty itself a goal or a tool? 
<laughs> because yeah. that's really kind of the issue. And he gets into Hayek and he gets into Friedman. Um, he said, you know, he said the idea that the market is a tool just like a toaster is profoundly misleading. He said, would Carlson wave away the right to bear arms? After all, they're just tools, right? We should not worship guns either. How about free speech, right? Mm -hmm. is, it, is that just a tool? And yet, you know, Carlson benefits from it every day on his show. Um, and so I thought that was a really good thing. But then some other people weighed in and there's just some really good defenses of the market. And it, it just seems like we're, we have to start this whole thing over again, you know, um, <laughs> because, you know, socialism, democratic socialism is kind of on the march. It's popular. If you look at some of the polling among millennials and, and yet, you know, when you look at what's lifted the, the poorest out of bone crushing poverty, it, it's, it's, without a doubt it's capitalism i mean mm -hmm. just just some basic statistics like in 1870 the life expectancy in europe the americas and the world was 36 35 and 30 respectively and today it's 81 79 and 72 90 percent of humanity lived in extreme poverty in 1820 today less than 10 percent does you know, Michael Novak thought that this was this was the moral case for markets right there, is how it helped the weakest and poorest among us. Um, and that that's, it's not just a tool. It, it, it comports to, you know, it comports to human, uh, the human condition mm -hmm. and the imperfectibility of, of, of mankind. Um, Deirdre and her great art, she did a great article in here. She said, Sweden, in fact, is pretty much as capitalistic as the United States. It's Minnesota writ large. <laughs> She's got, got pretty good schools with vouchers and terrible weather. <laughs> he says, if socialism means the ownership of the means of production, Sweden never qualified. Um, you know, they, they privatized their, their uh, they had a national drugstore. I didn't know that. Um, which was a monopoly, and they privatized that back in 2008. They privatized their transportation system, their trains, and all of that. Um, but she just goes on to say, "Look, this is not this is not at all, um, you know, socialism." Although 70% of working Swedes do belong to a union, which is really interesting. Yes, and and, and the unions are propped up. Yep. But by government regulation and programs and things like that. So, look, I, it, it, it's always the definition, right? All wisdom begins with the definition of terms. When we say socialism, what are you talking about? I object to the word socialism whenever I hear socialism. I hear, I hear, you know, the 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 socializing uh, of the ownership of the means of production. Period. End of story. That's what socialism means to me. And people say, well, democratic socialism isn't that. Well, then don't call it socialism. Right. Right. Call call it call it something else because that's what socialism is. Socialism is the the, the state ownership of the means of production. Period. End of story. That's right. right? Uh, and if and, and if all you're saying is is well that's okay, if if it's democratic first, then I got no use for it. Another great article in here was by Scott Lincecum. I think he's a he's a Cato scholar and he he works in the free trade area. He's a lawyer too, and uh, he made the he made the point and just the benefits for just the average American for free trade, you know, stuff that we buy at Walmart or whatever, right? He said, it's the equivalent of giving every American $260 of extra spending per year for the rest of their lives. The broad benefits of free trade. He also pointed out that according to the San Francisco Federal Reserve, they estimate that almost half of U.S. imports are intermediate products purchased by American manufacturers to make globally competitive finished goods. Like, yep, I, that, that's been true for years. It, it, absolutely. And, and so the country's biggest exporters are also its biggest importers, right? right. And, and that's part, we've talked about this before, you know, the iPhone comes back from China at, at its full price 
in, mm-hmm. in the trade accounts, even though they added like $10 of value to it or cost to it, mm-hmm. right? Um, he also uh, talks about economists on the left, right, and center continue to oppose tariffs overwhelmingly, 93% consensus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, we don't hear about that. We hear about the 97% consensus when it comes to climate change, but we don't hear about it when it comes to econ- It's one thing economists agree on. You know, right. there's, there's not many things you can get economists to agree on. The other thing that I found really interesting about his uh, article on globalization and just free trade in general, child labor is disappearing. Uh, workers from the ages of 5 to 17 decreased by 94 million between 2000 and 2016 from 246 million to 152 million. And it's projected decline to decline by 10, 10, tens of millions more by 2025. And some of these, um, you know, were just <laughs> truly horrible social conditions, right? Hunger, arranged marriages um, before these new jobs existed. So that was really interesting. Yeah, and, and, uh, uh, and a lot of people will point out that that's because of government regulation, Ron. That's why that happened, which is the biggest bunch of horse hockey that's ever been thrown around. <laughs> And, you know, um, the guy who wrote about Michael Novak's work, I just, I just want to read this quote. He interviewed Michael Novak. We tried to get on the show, but he passed away in 2017. How selfish of him. I know. He said, uh, <laughs> he, 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 um, he, he said, um, he expressed, he, he expressed his regret that socialism was undergoing a revival in America. He said, well, I guess you're going to have to re-explain yet again all the problems with socialism. Apparently, someone has to do it every single generation. Yep. <laughs> and it's so true. I mean, here we are mounting a defense. And I have to say, this forum in National Review was a really interesting defense because they tried to, they tried to hit it from all angles, including the millennial and the younger generations. Um, and I just thought it was really well done. No, that's great stuff. Great stuff, Ron. Yeah, and it, it, I, I, I disagree in that it needs to be explained every generation. It needs to be constant. It's a constant battle. It is because, you know, people say it, and I don't think they know what, what it means. I, I just, no, they don't. And, and they don't know the history of it and all that. So, but anyway, Ed, what's on store for next week? Next week, Ron, we're going to rerun our interview with George Gilder from, believe it or not, back in August of 2018. So almost a year, 11 months since we did that interview with George Gilder. And we're going to rerun it because we're going to take a little break for the 4th of July weekend to have the uh, Independence Day here in the United States. Fantastic. Well, I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to rerun our interview with George Gilder on his book, Life After Google. Feel free to check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com, where we will post full show notes on the topics we discussed today. You can also contact Ed or myself at ask, send us an email to ask, T-S-O-E at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.